Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. ever had an argument with someone in your family? Let me see your hands right now. Let me see them. Okay, I'm looking for the liars right now. Who's got their hand down? All right, we all have, right? We've all had arguments. What I want you to know is that without disagreements, there's no growth. You've got to have disagreements to grow. You understand that, right? Some of you are like, hallelujah, we're growing fast right now, right? Like, whoa, over the top. Yes, whoa, yes. Oh, yes, uh, on your way to heaven right now. When it takes disagreements. Now, this is a mistake that Rhonda and I made uh, growing, when our kids growing up, is that we didn't argue in front of them a lot. We thought, okay, you know, I don't know. We decided that thought maybe that wasn't best. So when we would have, you know, those times of being uh, angry, those discussions, we would go into our bedroom, into the master bath, and there we'd go, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, tell you. <laughs> You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be heard by the neighborhood to be heard. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and to, and to uh, stir up something, all right? Amen. So we would do that. But when we found out, it was damaging to our children. We thought we were protecting them, but we were damaging them. Because I remember our son was smaller, and, and we took it. We was out with another couple, and they got a little aggravated at each other and began to get loud. I mean, it wasn't being, you know, they wasn't anything that's... Uh, cruel or anything they were saying. They just sort of yelled at each other a little bit. Well, what, why don't you do it? Something like that. My son had a meltdown. <laughs> he just freaked out because he never experienced anything like that. What's going on? And we realized that, you know, sometimes your kids need to see how, how you had to get it out in front of them so they can see how to work it out in front of them. Now, there's some, listen, you got to take that to a limit, all right? <laughs> some of you are like, yeah, I'm glad. It's on right now. No, I'm not giving you permission. I'm just saying you have to really work at that. Because the Bible tells us that we have, God doesn't bless the, the peacekeepers. He blesses those who work for peace. Now, before I go any further, remember this series. We said that this series is not perfection. Because every one of you have a couple, maybe a family in your mind that has it all together. You look at them and say, why can't we be more like them? Oh, I wish our family, why can't, and you just, you just envy that family and you think, oh, if we were just like them, they're perfect. Let me tell you something. If you got behind the wall and you heard their discussions, you'd be like, oh man, I don't want none of that, you know, because they're, they're bad too. They got things going on in their lives. So what we said is not perfection, it's right direction, right? Amen. And we're going to go the right direction. And so Matthew 5 and 9 says this, look what the Bible says. He says, God blesses those who, what? Work. work for peace. That's right. That means you got to work for it. It doesn't automatically come. Peace doesn't automatically, you got to work for peace. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. So what I would like to tell you is that we're not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to work for peace. And that means it takes a little work. And so uh, we've been saying this statement. We're going to say it a couple of times a day. We've been saying it from the beginning of this series. And I want you to know uh, this is true. So it's coming up. So let's say it together. Here we go. You ready? Come on. 
My family will be okay if we do things God's way. That's right. So no matter how you've been doing them, no matter, it doesn't matter if you've been doing it wrong your whole life or you've been doing it wrong the last week, start right now. Start right now doing things God's way. So what I want to talk to you about today, I have this title. It's called Work for Peace, How to Work for Peace, because we don't know how to do this. And this is things that I've had to learn because I didn't know. And I can tell you this will bring harmony to your family, and that's what we want, how to work for peace. So we're going to take the word peace, and I'm going to do an acrostic today. So we're going to give you a point for every letter of the word peace, and you're going to, we're going to find out today how to work for peace. All right? You ready? Everybody ready? Yes. All right. You, you're home ready? Here we go. So work for peace. The letter P is this. The first thing we do is we pray first. So if you have your app open, the outline's right there, you can fill that in. Hallelujah. At home as well, fill that in. I love that app, by the way. Uh, you can pray first. Look what the Bible says. This is so real. I love the Bible because it, listen, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat it. It just says it straight. Look what it says. James 4, you want something you don't have and you'll do anything to get it. Yeah. Mm, you will even kill you will, you, but you still cannot get what you want, and you won't get it by what? Fighting and arguing. There's something you're, you're not going to, you cannot argue your way into peace. Amen. And fighting. So this is what you should do. Here's the first thing. You should what? Pray for it. See, some of you are fighting for things you're never going to get until you start praying for it. Many times we pay for things that we should pray for. <laughs> just, just as a little side note. What about, the, why should you pray? Because especially when you're having disagreements in your family, why should you pray? Here's why. Because when you vent vertically, you know, when you vent vertically, you say, you can say whatever you want to say to God, right? Yeah. To, you know, God, I can't believe I married this sorry low-life yeah. person. I don't believe that. These kids are driving me. God, you gave me these parents and they're crazy. They're just crazy people. You know, you can say all of that to God, but here's what it is. Once you vent to God, guess what? When you can say whatever you want to to God, but here's what he does. When you say it to God, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, helps you know what to say to people. So you don't say the same thing to people you said to God, right? No, no, no. You don't do that because it's going to be on like Donkey Kong, right? Uh, You say to God whatever you, you just say it to God. But then after you say it to God, he helps you know what to say to people. That's important. Now, prayer also is what's called preventive maintenance for me. Yes. You know, like your car, you have to keep your oil changed, your uh, tires rotated, all that's preventive maintenance. Or it's going to break down. What Rhonda and I learned, uh, again, we're always looking for one percenters to make us better. And listen, you never get to the state in your family where you stop growing. You got to keep working it for peace. Amen. And so what we found out was is that if we could pray at night together, and listen, you know, you say, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to pray with your wife. No, no, I'm a man and it's weird. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that, it's not, I know you hear me praying for you. It's, it's, that's easy. But praying with her, it's like, ooh, a whole nother level, you know? And so I decided that, okay, about, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, I don't know. I said, Rhonda, would you mind if I pray for you at night before we go to sleep? And this was her exact words. You can, but don't make it 30 minutes. <laughs> it's exactly her words. And so we've been doing that. And what I tell you is every night the prayer sounds like this. You know, I'll take her hand right before we go to sleep and put my hand. I'll say, God, thank you for Rhonda. Lord, I want you to bless her. 
give her what she needs, and then so, so much she'll say the same for me. It's like it's not even two minutes, and it's amen. But what I can tell you is this, is that since we started doing that, our prayer, our prayer together has went up, and our, our confrontations have went way down. Amen. See, that's preventive maintenance. Prayer is more than just something that I should do. No, it's, it's power. It, it's effective. It's God moving and, and doing things that, for you that you can't do for yourself and doing things for other people that you can't do for them. Amen? Amen. And so I want to encourage you, prayer is powerful. Now, you can finish this statement with me. The family that prays together. So why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? Do you know, do you know, all of us need, we need hope right now more than ever before. You agree with that? We need hope. So let me tell you how you spell hope. Here it is. You ready? This is the way you spell hope. Here it is coming on the screen. Home of prayer every day. That's how you spell hope. If you want hope in your family, then you have, you have prayer every day. I'm not talking about get on your knees for 45 minutes. Oh, you know, blessing God. No, 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 no. Just a few minutes of prayer. A few seconds of prayer can change your whole day or can change your whole night. I challenge you to pray, everybody. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pray, everybody. So we want to work for peace. All right. So the next one that I'll tell you, the next letter. So we say pray, pray first, pray first. The letter E is this, is examine your anger. Examine your anger. Because you're mad. You're ticked off. And you've been mad for six months, so it's time to figure it out, right? Time to get over. Look what the Bible says. Here we go. Don't, let, don't sin by letting your anger what? Control. control you. By the way, when you let your anger control you, that means you're out of control. Yes. And whenever you, whenever you get out of control, that means somebody, you've given your control to somebody else. Yeah. I, or people say, they come to me, I tell you what, boy, I lost it. I let them have it. I lost it. Well, let me tell you something. When you lost it, you gave it to somebody else. Yes. What you lost was control, and you thought you would let them have it. You did. You let them have control of the situation because you lost it. Good. So you're not as big as you think you are, and it's not as bright as you think you are. You need to get it back. Amen. Oh, amen. Preach on, Pastor. I will. I will. Amen. <laughs> I amen myself. That's right. He goes on to say this. Look, look. He says, don't let the sun go down on you while you're still angry. You know what that means? Here. Everybody needs a season to be mad, all right? I mean, like a, a time, all right? You gotta let, so he says, no more than 24 hours. Be mad 24 hours, then get over it. And if you get, listen, if you get mad at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you don't have 24 hours. <laughs> what he's saying is, have some time, be mad, get over it. He goes on to say, for, for anger gives a foothold to who? The devil. the devil. Do you know the devil wants to take you down? Do you know you have an enemy of your soul, the devil? He wants to hurt you, harm you. He wants to rob your family of all joy. He wants to break every relationship you got. He wants, to, he wants to do that. So when you get mad, some of the thoughts that you have are not coming from Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, I would say when you get mad, most of the thoughts aren't coming from Jesus. They come straight out of the pit of hell. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. They're coming straight up from that. That's right. Because all of a sudden, you got some flamethrowers, right? Yes. I mean, you, you can say it. Here's what I want to tell you. When you get mad and you think, well, I'm going I'm to hurt them. I'm going I'm to get them back, you know. Every time that you do that, every time that you begin to try to maybe give someone pain because they've hurt you, every time you, you try to, whether with your tongue, you lay up. I mean, you just like, boy, let me tell you. And you just say some things that cut them to the bone. Here's what I want to tell you. Every time that you give pain to someone else, guess what you give to yourself? 
regret. You can never give pain to someone else without bringing regret on yourself. And that's what you have to understand is that when I, when I lash out, and that's why the devil will do it, because he wants you to lash out. Because when you bring pain to others, you bring regret to yourself. And what do we all sit around and think about? Oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have done that. Amen, everybody? Amen. We think about those kind of things. Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 29 and 8. People who make fun of wisdom cause trouble in a city. But wise people, what's those last three words? Let's read them. Ready? Come on. Calm anger down. Now, calm. So what the deal is, is that anger is not your, anger is a secondary emotion. It's one we run to first, but it's a secondary. See, anger is not your problem. It's what's underneath your anger that's the problem. And so, see, what's underneath your anger is probably one of three things. There's probably a hurt, there's probably a fear, or there's probably a frustration. That's going on. So, you, so when you're mad, it's not, okay, well, I'm just mad. You know, I just, what's going on underneath that? What's making you mad? What is it? What's underneath that? Is it hurt? Who hurts you? Is it a fear? What are you afraid of? And is it a frustration? What's frustrating you? When you ask those questions, then you can calm down, and then you can think clearly, and then you can begin to, you know, function in a normal pace. Anxiety begins to go down, and peace begins to go up when you begin to do that. And that's what we should do. So, on the screen again, it's coming up. Let's say this one more time. Ready? Come on. Here we go. My family will be okay if we do things God's way. What are we going to do? We're going to pray first. We're going to examine our anger. Why am I mad? We're going to examine that. Letter A is this, is that we're going to act slowly. We're going to act slowly. Most of us get in trouble because we don't act slowly. We act impulsively. Would you agree with that? Amen. And so what I like to tell you is this. There's two questions you need to ask before you do any kind of acting at all, before you make any decision of what you're going to do, and that is this is what will be accomplished by this action? What will be accomplished? And the second thing is, who will be wounded? Who will be wounded? If you say what you're going to say, who's going to be wounded? Who's going to be hurt? If you do what you're going to do, who's going to be hurt? Or will anything good be accomplished by what you're about to do? That's the question to ask. You know, stand, up here right now, I have in my hand an angry hammer. This is an angry hammer. You know how I know? Because it, it likes to hit things. Some of you just woke up, didn't you? <laughs> Dear God. Man, do it. Angry hammer. Mad all the time. I tell you, I'll tell you, you ain't talking to me like that. I'll do I'll take care of you. Just mad all the time. That's the way some people live. And they wonder why nobody wants to. Some of you want to leave the room right now, don't you? Like, what's wrong with that man? He's crazy. That's what's wrong with him. That's why they think about you. Keep it playing, Come on. Hurting. You see, this hammer thinks everything's a nail. Yeah. So all it knows to do is just drive this old nail right, in the, right into the heart. Every time somebody does the least little thing, what, what you do is you just go off. Duh! And you act crazy. And what you're doing is you're throwing a nail into that person. And you're hurting people all around you. You're hurting you. They just get, get you. You say, well, I nailed their high to the wall. Yeah. You nailed it all right. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about what you did and how stupid you acted. And how silly and how you might have hurt them. It may be your husband, your wife, your child. It might be your parent. 
and you realize that, you know what, there's something between us. Yeah, there's something between you. There's a nail between you, right? And so the only way to get that out is that you got, you got to say, I'm sorry. And so you say, I'm sorry, and then, then you just take and you just try to pull this nail out. You pull the nail out. But the only problem is, if you look right here, there's still a hole right there. You know what that is? That's the hurt that you cause. And, but you don't, you don't see the nail anymore, do you? You, do, you don't see it anymore. You don't see this nail anymore. So you think, we're all good. Everything's fine. Oh, yeah, I said that, but I said I'm sorry. So we're good. What you still mad at? Why are you still hurt? Why are you still bring that up? Because they still got a hole in their heart. Because you damaged them. And let me tell you something. It doesn't heal overnight. That's why some of you think, well, we can just kiss and make up. Well, let me tell you something. You can try to kiss and make up, but that, that don't go away overnight. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that you have to be very, very careful because what you say leaves a wound. And God has, to, has takes time for wounds to heal. Amen? Amen? And so everything that you want to get better overnight is going to not get better overnight because you've got to realize I've wounded them. And you say, I'm sorry. And you, then you've like, got to give it time. And they got to prove, you got to prove them you're not going to wound them again, right? Amen. And so I, want to, I hope you'll always remember that. Look at what the Bible says, Proverbs 13 and 16. Sensible people always think before they what? Yeah. All right, here we go. Look at the, oh, look at the last part of this verse. That's why you're here today. That's why you're tuning in. Look at the last part of this verse. But stupid people advertise their ignorance. Woo! And we got a big place to do that now, don't we? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's an app for that, social media, right? Oh, let me tell you, I'm going to, you let your thumbs do the tapping and your fingers do the walking, let me tell you, you'll be in trouble. I'm, sometimes I read things on social media that people post about, the, about their own parents and about their spouse. I'm like, are you crazy? You got to live with them people. That never goes away. You know, <laughs> I'm hesitant to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyways because we're family. <laughs> you know, the things that are inside of you, that, that anger and that part of it, it, sometimes it doesn't go away. It's there. You have to learn to manage it. Yes. My grandmother's 94 years old now, and she has dementia. So sometimes the things that she says are things that happened a long time ago. You know, she's sort of in and out of it. Sometimes she'll be talking to you. She, she's like, she, you know, she's talking to you about normal. And then all of a sudden, it's like a switch goes off. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was down there. I call her Mama. I was down at Mama's house. And, and she said, she was all of a sudden started talking about driving. Now, she hasn't drove a car in probably 30 years. But she started talking about driving. And she started talking about a person was following too close to her. Now, you want to know where my road rage come from? It's genetic. <laughs> And she said, she said, I want, she said, I'll tell you what, she said, that person was behind me, she said, but, but I didn't slam on no brakes. <laughs> What's inside of you? I mean, man, it can come up, you know? And so she's like, she went back, you know, I didn't slam on no brakes, just like it had happened yesterday. I mean, like, I don't know when this had happened. I said, well, Mama, what did you do? She said, I let down my window. She started to raise her hand. I said, no, Mama, no, no, no. She was about to flip me off right there in the room. No. 
Some people, some people show their ignorance in many different ways, right? So just be careful before you act. Think about it. Think about it. We're talking about working for peace. Remember we said we've got to pray first. We've got to examine our anger. Then we've got to act slowly. And the letter C is we've got to consider their condition. Consider that person's condition. Philippians 2 and 4. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in who? Take an interest in others too, he says. He goes on. You must have the same attitude Christ had. So what, I'm, what I want to say this, because this is hard, is that when people are venting toward you or they're just maybe going off on you, I know this is very, very difficult, but if you can think for a moment, instead of retaliating, think for a moment, wonder what's going on with them. And I can tell you there's a hurt, there's a fear, or there's a frustration. And so if you could just look at that person and let them get it out and then say, you know what? Are you okay? Are you okay? Is there something I can help you with? Because this is not you. And so they're probably going to tell you there's a hurt, there's a fear, or there's a frustration. And so I just want you to remember that. So we're talking about, remember, pray first, examine your anger, act slowly, and then consider, consider uh, their condition. Now, it's coming up on the screen again, our point, so let's say it again together. Come on, you ready? My family will be okay if we do things God's way. That's true. Letter E, this is one that uh, is powerful. How to work for peace, letter E, is go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. As I bring this up, I I want to tell you that this took me a long time to get what I'm about to share with you. Probably, it's probably been, truth of the matter, it's probably only been about seven to ten years ago that I've got this because, see, I read the Bible all the time, and, and I think you should too. I think it will help you. And so you should try to do it daily if you can. And I want to get to this part where Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. I, would, I, I couldn't do that. And I, I would read that. I want to do everything again to please the Lord. But I'm like, you know, I, it's hard for me to love somebody that's hating on me. Yeah. I mean, somebody cussing me out yeah. and say, love them. Yeah. Somebody that's talking about my kids and say, love them, right? No, no, no. I don't want to love them. I want to get the angry hammer out. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let me do some love. This is some love I show you. Okay, I'm sorry. None of you feel that way. I know you mamas do. Somebody says something about your baby. Don't, don't even talk about that, right? You will tear somebody up. So I had a hard problem. So I want, you, I want you to understand this, that I thought that in order to love somebody, that I had to like them or feel good toward them. Like love your enemies, like, come here. I know you're cussing me right now. Come here, just let me love on you. I know you're talking about my family. Come here, let me love on you. No, 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 no. That is not. See, I thought that for a long time. But a biblical definition of love, here it is. It's going to come up on the screen. I hope you'll get this because you need to remember it the rest of your life. It'll help you. Here it is. Biblical definition of love is this. Here we go. Doing good for someone no matter how I feel. Let's say biblical love again. Let's say it together. Ready? Come on. Doing good for someone no matter how I feel. That's what biblical love is. In other words, I don't have to like you to love you. Amen. Did you hear that? 
That, that's, why, that's why in your marriage, you can be mad at each other as you want, and you don't have to like them, but you can still love them because you can do good for them no matter how you feel, right? And for your parents, your mom and dad, you may not like them right now, but you can still practice biblical love because you can do good for them no matter how you feel. I, that's what biblical love, that's what Jesus did, right? I mean, you think Jesus, when he's being nailed to the cross, like, oh, this feels good. No, it hurt like Hades didn't. I mean, it hurt. Yes. It hurt, but guess what he did? He did good for us. He did good for us no matter how he felt. He said, Father, forgive him no matter how he felt, right? Yes. His biblical love is doing good no matter how I feel. Yes. Not about the way I feel. And love, see, see, love is powerful. And look what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 41. Jesus said this. He said, Jesus said, if someone forces you to go one mile, would you read the rest of it with me? Come on, let's read it. Go with them two miles. You see, biblical love is tough in the first mile. Matter of fact, it's hard in the first mile. If the first mile makes you want to say, I ain't doing it, right? I'm just yeah. not going to do it. Yeah. But when you go the second mile, I learned this lesson. To, oh, man. Like a couple years ago, someone, I told someone, one of my bucket lists is to, is to run the Peachtree Road Race. Why would anybody do that? Fourth of July, humid, hot, crazy. And so I told them that, and they were in one of our groups. And, and so I was in group with them, and they said, hey, Pastor Jeff, you know, you always said you want to run the Peace Street Road Race. Well, the last day to sign up is tomorrow. Matter of fact, it's a lottery, and you probably won't get in, but you should sign up. And I thought, you know what? Yes, I told you that, so I'm going to sign up. Well, listen, there's over 50,000 people that run that race, right? What's the chances of someone getting picked to run the road race, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's very unlikely. Well, guess what? I sent my application in. And guess what? I got the next day an email said, welcome to our race. No, no, I don't want to do it. I, no, I just did that to say I did it to them. No. I got picked, crazy. So now I gotta run the stupid race. So I think I better get out and start maybe trying to practice a little bit. And so I started. And I can tell you, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna do it. Running that first mile. Oh, it is, it's horrible. I mean, it's like, you're gonna die. You're just gonna die. Matter of fact, I want to show you a picture of me at running the Peace Street Road Race. And look at these bug eyes I got. Look at them. My eyes are bulging, bulging right out. Look at them. I mean, listen, I wore my, I wore my patriotic socks because I was going to be buried in those that day. That's right. God bless America, right? That's crazy. So anyway, so what I learned is this. What I learned is, is that in the first mile, you feel like you're going to die. But if you can make it through the first mile and you move into that second mile, something begins to happen. All of a sudden, your heart begins to get in rhythm and all of a sudden, your breathing begins to get in rhythm and you've just got a cadence going and you're just moving. And if you can make it through the first mile, you can make it through the fifth mile. If you can make it through the second mile, you can make it through the fifth mile and you can make it through the tenth mile. It's just getting that second mile. And I want to tell you, in biblical love, it's the same way. In your home, you don't want to do it. You don't want to break through. But I can tell you, if you can just move from the first mile to 
the second mile and you can break through. All of a sudden, transformation can happen in your home. All of a sudden, love can begin to grow. It's amazing what can happen in the second mile. Hallelujah. It's in the second mile. It's in the second mile. Love doesn't grow in the first mile. It's only feelings in the first mile. But the second mile changes everything. Everything. Everything changes in the second mile. Oh, when you don't feel like doing it. That's what Jesus was saying. When you don't feel like loving your enemy, you love them anyways. It's the second mile that changes everything. You see... It's the second mile. And we're a church of second mile. We're not a first mile church. We don't quit. You see, that's why we, that's why we encourage you. You see, there's, there's second mile Christians that don't quit. It's like, okay, well, the first bad thing happened. I'm done. I'm giving up on God. No, no, no. Christianity is all about second mile. That's what Jesus was saying. I would challenge you today to take a step in the second mile. You say, how can I do that in my faith? I'll tell you, why don't you sign up for a group? Why don't you open up that brand new app right now and go to groups right there and connect with a group right now. See, that's what second mile Christians do. Second mile Christians serve those that can't serve them. You know, that's what we're going to, that's the kind of church that we are. You know, we have something called Serve Saturday. And on Serve Saturday, on the first Saturday of September, we're going down to what's called a friend's house. You know what a friend's house is? It's a place where teenagers that have no place to go has been kicked out of their home or runaways or whatever. Instead of them going on the street and being sex trafficked by some crazy, we have a place for them to go in our county. And we're going to go down there on Serve Saturday, and we're going to serve them by fixing up their home. We're going to fix their yards up, make it nice. We're going to fix the building up and make it nice. Why? Because we're a second-mile kind of church. Amen. Amen? That's who we are. And again, if you, if you want to go with me and you want to make a difference in somebody's life, then on the app, right there it is, right there. Baby, I love that app, right? You're going to hear it all. The app, it's right there. Do it. Yes. Why? Because God's a second mile kind of God. Good. He's not a first mile kind of, he's a second mile kind of God. Amen. That's what the Bible says. The, one of the greatest passages of scripture, the, the most famous in all, all the Bible is this. Look what it says. John 3, 16. For God so loved, who? The world. You know what? Let me, I'm going to read that again. For God so loved. I want you to put your name in there because that's what he meant. He, could, he couldn't put everybody's name in the Bible, so he just said world. He's talking about Jews. So let's say it this way. For God so loved. Come on, shout your name out. For God so loved. For God so loved. That's it. All about you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him shall not, shall not perish, but have what? Have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. I'm not just talking about life here. I'm talking about eternal life. God so loved the world. You see, God said, you're worth it. So he went the second mile. He sent Jesus here. And Jesus died for your sins. Jesus went the second mile. But I want to tell you something that's, I mean, I want to encourage you with something today. God doesn't stop there. You see, God's got a place prepared for all of us. And right now, we're in this world, and we're saying, what's going on, this pandemic, and everything's crazy? And let me tell you something. Fear right now is a BOGO, isn't it? Buy one, get one. Hallelujah. It seems like there's one right on top of the other. There's another fear. There's another. Oh, the economy's going bad. All the elections. Oh, blah, 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 blah. All this fear all the time, right? It's in the air. And we're wondering, what's the world coming to? 
Well, I'm going to tell you that God's got a place prepared for us. This is not a home. It's called heaven. And guess what? In heaven, we're going to be there with God and that everything's going to be right. There's going to be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying, no more dying, no more funerals. Hallelujah. No more heartaches. No more of this political stuff. No more. Heaven is worth, heaven's worth. And let me tell you something. Because we have a second mile God, he said, when you see these things beginning to happen, when you see like earthquakes beginning to happen in, in crazy places, when you get to see hurricanes happening in crazy places, when you begin to see the world rocking and reeling and not knowing what to do, when you see pandemics breaking out all over the world, don't get discouraged. Don't get your head, don't get down. Get your head up. Why? Because your redemption draweth nigh. He said, that means you're that much closer to my return. And you just may, just keep your ear attentive to the trumpet of God. Amen? Because one day, one day, that second mile God is going to look over at an angel and say, it's time. And he's going to blow a trumpet. And when that trumpet sounds, God's going to say, Jesus, it's time. He's going to come down. He's going to call every one of those Christians that are believers, that are followers of Jesus. He's going to call us home. And guess what? We're going to have union right over the treetop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, grandma that's going to heaven is going to meet you right over the treetop. She's going to see you. Why? Because we're going to be in heaven forever. This is not our home, everybody. We're just passing through. Amen. Our home is on the other side with God forever because Jesus is a second mile God. Amen. Second mile. He's second mile. Don't you get discouraged, discouraged and don't you get down. Don't you get panicked because this is just what we got to go through to get there. And this world is winding up. But you don't have to be afraid because he's going to deliver us. Amen. Amen. You know, wouldn't it be great not to have to die? And wouldn't that be great? Because listen, either you're going to die and go to eternity or either you're going to or either Jesus is, or that the angel is going to sound the trumpet and Jesus is going to come and you still be alive. You know what's amazing to me? I read about how that Jesus, when he, when he left this earth, he ascended to the Father. He said, I'm going to come back in a like manner for you. Just think what that would look like. Just think if you're at work one day or you're at school one day and you're a child of God and the trumpet blew. All of a sudden, you just started leaving this world. You're like, everybody's like, where are you going? What are you doing? Where's the cord at? What's pulling you up? Oh, no. His father's calling me home. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Isn't that awesome? I want to say this to you. See, some of you, this sort of scares you a little bit. Because, see, the truth of the matter is that you've acknowledged Christ, but you've not followed Christ. And see, you think just because I acknowledge him, I'm okay. And you're not okay. The devil acknowledges Jesus. See, but what, what, what keeps you from being like the devil is following Christ. Yes. So you have to make a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus? And today, the only way you're ever going to have peace is that you follow. That's good. You follow. And the following, wherever you're watching from, in this room as well, to follow means this. And say, Lord Jesus, I want what you want. I want to do what you want me to do. And I'm not going to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. That's following Jesus. And it starts with this prayer. Would you bow your heads with me in the room? 
Would you bow your heads with me, those of you that are watching? Would you just say this prayer right now that you don't have to be afraid anymore? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I ask you to just come into me. Fill my life with you. Let your Holy Spirit that I don't even know about, let it fill me. Lord, forgive me for my sins because I've acknowledged you. I believe that you died and rose from the dead. I acknowledge that, but I have not followed. And I know that you're coming back for followers. So, Father, today I want to become a follower. I want to become a follower. I don't want to be a closet Christian. I want people to know me by my faith in you. And so right now, dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins. God, I want to be a second mile kind of Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.